preached last Sunday, started the series on real faith. Real faith is just faith lived out in life. It's like somebody, I can stand up here and tell you, I've got great faith in Jesus. But you really won't know it till it's lived out. It's nothing more than words. Uh, it's like saying I'm a Christian, but you don't see a Christ-like attitude or a Christ-like life in, in, in what I live. You'd, you'd wonder that. Like, you know, a little, little family was at a service, and the preacher got up and preached what it meant to be a Christian. On the way home, five-year-old son in the back asked his daddy, said, Daddy, do we know any of those Christians? So sometimes we want to look out and say, do we really know anybody that has real faith that's lived out? Now last week we looked at real faith that comes through trials and hardships, sufferings. And of course the time it was this was written, man, the church was going through some real hard suffering time. Today we're going to turn it toward a word called temptation, which is a little bit different. Last week in verse number 2, uh, the King James used the word divers temptations, meaning various trials of life. And today we're going to use the term tempted in an entirely different manner. Uh, I'm going to the journal first and read it out of the ESV. He says, uh, he says, let no man say he is tempted, that I'm being tempted by God, because God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So that pretty well tells us that God is not behind these kind of temptations that we're going to look at today. This kind of temptation is an enticement to sin. Uh, and it comes upon all. It's like sin laying in wait. Uh, we have to be careful or we'll get caught up in it from time to time. We're not perfect. God's forgiven us as Christians and we've turned our life over to Him, but we go through life and we sometimes get awfully tempted to get back in a mess again. So most of the time, the temptations on the, comes from the devil, of course. And let's look at this in James chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. Before we do, I want to have prayer again. Our Heavenly Father, as we read the Word and expound upon the Word, I pray that you'll open our eyes to be able to see, open our ears to be able to hear, but most of all, God, open our heart to be able to receive the things from your Word today. In Christ's name, amen. Verse 13, Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. That enticed means by our own desires. Verse 15, And then when lust, or our desire, has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. In other words, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is finished, means fully grown, it bringeth forth death. There's a real process there. Do not err, my beloved brethren, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and it comes down from the Father of lights, of whom no there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with a word of truth, which means he brought us forth, that we should be the kind of first fruits above his creatures, of all of his creatures. Now I want us to look today at three natures brought out in this particular passage. And it'll be the nature of temptation, those desires. It'll be the nature, number two, of sin, the desires taking hold. And then thirdly, it'll be the nature of God, which is entirely opposite from the nature of sin. 
So first of all, let's look at the nature of temptation in verse 14. Again, he said, Let no man, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God not cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now notice the terminology here about this temptation. It's a temptation, it's evil, meaning evil is anti-God. Anything that doesn't belong to God, anything that doesn't line up to God, it's evil. And when we think about those things, what we're thinking about more than anything is the word sin. Missing the mark of God, that which is not of God. Now it can be physical evil that we take place with an action. It can be a moral evil in our thought process. Uh, but it's evil, it's sin. So he says here it's not only evil, but it's not of God. God does not tempt us to sin. He does not put things in our path to try us to see if we're going to overcome that sin that's out there. He doesn't do that. It tells us right here that he is not the one behind evil. He has no evil within him. He is not behind every bush with a trap laid out waiting for you to get caught in that trap. He's not like our, tech, our highway patrol that's sitting back behind a billboard waiting for you to break that speed limit law. That's not God. That is not nowhere in scripture the picture of God he is not tempting you to sin he is not putting sin in your path it's not of God now there's three sources of temptation here that's not of God and let's, let me let me lay them out to you the first source of temptation that leads us to sin is no more than Satan Satan is the master of deception the Bible tells us he's the father of all lies. He says that he is, he is even so much that he would transform himself into the, uh, to an angel of light. He is ultimately behind all temptations, whether maybe not directly, but at least indirectly, Satan is behind the evil. Secondly, there's the world. The concept of what's around us, society, it's the morality that's around us. It, it's the anti-God system that we tend to live in in this world. And thirdly, it's self. It is where we become our own worst enemy. Our, our, our desires take over. And we're the ones that choose to take that course of sin. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, and you're familiar with that, and you look at Adam and Eve out there in the garden, and God gave them one command, one tree, one fruit, don't eat of it, because when you do eat of it, you're going to die. Well, he gave them that for protection. Stay away from this one thing that will hurt you. Stay away from this one thing that is evil. But yet, along came Satan. Satan tempted Eve and says, uh, what did God didn't really mean what he said. He knows that when you eat of that tree that you're going, to be, you're going to be just like him. You're going to know everything. You're going to know the difference between good and evil. You're going to be a God. And Eve understood. She took that word and she went to Adam and shared it with Adam and he received it as well. And they took that fruit that day. And when God showed up, all of a sudden... Adam began to answer. He said, God, it's that woman you gave me. If you hadn't given that woman, I wouldn't have got tricked and I wouldn't have got sin. I wouldn't have fell in that sin. And then, of course, Eve says, it, it was that serpent. It was the devil that made me do it. It was him. He was there. He tricked me. He lied to me. 
And then above all, they didn't take any blame for themselves. And in essence, the servant blamed God. He said, God don't want you to know this. God doesn't want you to have freedom. It, it, you know, he blamed God. So everybody shifted the blame for the temptation that came. Today, that's no different. I know people today, and you know, I, I used to do a lot of counseling, and I'd sit down with them, and they'd begin to blame their environment. They said, well, it, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's, I was on the wrong, I was raised on the wrong side of the track. Everything went wrong over there. I didn't have anything. I, I, I just, it was, it was just, it was just society. It was just my environment that caused me to go down this path. Someone else will blame their family. They say, well, you know, my dad was an alcoholic and I don't know why. It must have been in the genes because here I'm an alcoholic and I can't seem to stop and I just keep drinking and it's tore up my family and it's tore up my life and I've gone down the drain. And besides that, I'm, people in my family, well, well, they stole or they killed or, or they did a lot of evil and I've done the same thing. It's just part of my hereditary factor in my life or it's the environment or it's something or it's a school system Lord that school system didn't treat me right they didn't teach me the right things and I just fell prey to the temptation that came along when we really don't look in the mirror and look at ourselves and understand we'll be like Adam and Eve and understand a little bit that it was our fault and no one else Sure, the devil's out there. Sure, he's out there to deceive. Sure, he's out there to take us down the wrong path. Surely we know that the environment is not the best. Surely we know that maybe hereditary and our family may not be perfect. But in essence, when it comes to the temptation and the desires, it was within ourselves that it was created and it took effect. So we see here that out of these three choices here that 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 it's, it's really just anti-God, and we make those choices. Now, that's the nature of, of temptation. Now, let's look at the nature of sin in verse 14 and 15. Now, if you want to get a little ahead on this, the end of verse 15 says death. Understand that sin takes you directly to death. You might say, it didn't take Adam and Eve to death. Yeah, I don't believe they'd ever died if it hadn't sinned. Sin would have not taken hold on their body. Physically, they would not have died. And they sure wouldn't have died spiritually. They would have still had that straight communion with God if they had not sinned. It'll take you down the wrong path, and the end destruction is death. If it's not physical death, it will at least be spiritual death where you will lose your fellowship with the Almighty God. Okay? So, I mean, even Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. It can't be more spoken clearly than that. Now let's take this path. There are six steps in this nature of sin. It's a process. Nobody gets up this on the morning and says, Boy, I can't wait. I'm saved, but I'm going to sin today. Uh, it's already there. And let's look at it. He said, Every man, when he is tempted, number one, is drawn away, number two, of his own lust, and enticed, number three, and then when lust has conceived, number four, and then it brings forth sin, number five, and then when it's finished, it brings forth death, number six. Six steps down this road to destruction. First, there's temptation. Temptation alone is not sin. Now, it will lead to sin, but alone temptation is not sin. 
You see, the problem lies within ourselves, as I've said. It, it, it's in our heart. It's kind of like if you've ever made hot tea with a tea bag. Inside of that tea bag is basically tea. You put the tea into hot a cup of hot boiled water and suddenly what's in that tea bag comes out. Now, the process is, was it the heat that, that caused it to come out? Was it the reason? It was a reason, but the reason the flavor of the tea came out of the tea bag is it was in the bag all alone. It was always there. The reason we take this trip from temptation is it's in our heart. The Bible tells us the heart is desperately wicked. Who can even know it except for God, right? It is in the heart. And can we keep it there <coughs> or is it going to come out? At that point, there is a, a decision to be made. You know, it's just like your mama, if you're my age, your mama probably told you like mine did, you know, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. That's what we're talking about here. We cannot control the fact that we have urges in our heart, but we can control the fact that we can keep them from taking hold. So that's the temptation here. So here's the process. Temptation, a choice has to be made. Then secondly, you are drawn away of your own lust. Your desires begin to take hold. Uh, that temptation draws your attention. And you begin to ponder on it. You begin to think about it. And then after that comes the enticement. You look at it and you say, I want it. You've already thought about it. You've already looked at it and dwelled upon the thought. And now you say, I want it. The bait is out there and you want to take the bait. Then nextly, he says, it's conceived or conception takes place. In other words... The bait takes hold. You take that bait in. You begin to act upon your desires. You begin to act upon what you have already pondered and thought over. And then here comes the sin. The action is taken when you're actually acting upon the bait that you've taken in that's out there. And the end result is death. You see, this process will take you down a road you do not want to go on. You say, preacher, can't you get a more rejoicing series to preach? Well, if you'll just pay attention and you'll just look at what James is saying about real faith and let real faith live out in your life, you will rejoice over this passage of Scripture. You will rejoice over the book of James. The book of James is rough, but it's where the rubber meets the road. Now, the admonishment here, he says, is don't go down this road. He said, do not err, my beloved brother. Stop it right now before it takes hold. Don't take the bait. Then he runs a comparison. He's already took you down the road of temptation towards sin. Now he takes you with a comparison here that there is a God. We've seen the nature of sin. The nature of sin will destroy you. The nature of sin will de is destruction for you and for those around you. The nature of sin will take you to death, okay? But the nature of God is completely opposite. We can, we can be a little bit 
leery about the fact that we have sin in front of us, but we can rejoice in the fact that there is a God that even when sin takes place, there is a complete opposite in our life that is the nature of God. Verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and it comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither a shadow of turning. Of his own he will begat us with the word of truth, that he should be the kind, a kind of firstfruits of his creation. Listen, first he says this is the nature of God. God gives you every good gift and every perfect gift. Amen. That's good, isn't it? That is a complete opposite from what we are offered in the nature of sin. Now, that's good to think about the goodness of God. Secondly, it says that He, or God, is the Father of lights. We live in a 24-hour day. It's very, evil. it's very easy here to see the fact that about 6.30 now at this time of year, the sun comes up. And at a, between 4.30 and 5 o'clock this afternoon, the sun goes down. We have half of the day in sunlight and light, and we have half of the day in darkness. Now, if you compare that to God as the Father of light, there is no darkness in God. God is nothing but light. He's all light. And in that means, now, as the rotation of the, sun, of the earth goes around the sun, Understand, there's light and there's darkness. But with God, he said there is no variableness of turning. There is no difference in God. What God says is true. What God says will happen, will happen. If God forgives you, you are forgiven. If God's written your name down in the book of heaven, your name is written down in the book of heaven. There is no variableness in God. He does not change. Now, I've run upon a guy here recently who has aggravated me with a change of mind. He was attacking a brother. After meeting with him, he said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'll let it go. About a week later, he tells me, I've changed my mind. A few days later, I get a text from him saying, I've I'm, I'm, I'm okay, I'm not going to to say anything again, I'm not going to cause any problem. And then I hear he's turned it again. I say, what's going on? He said, I've changed my mind. You know, we as humans change our mind a lot, don't we? But God never changes his mind. His mind is set, and it's set for our good, and it's constant. Okay? And he also says all good gifts come from him, perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Then he says, I like this, we are begotten with the word of truth. comes from God. We're begotten by the word of truth. In other words, he said, let the word of truth, let the word of God take hold in your life because you will be begotten by the word. Now we go over here to the opposite of what we just read about the nature of sin. He said when sin conceived, it brings forth death, right? When we are begotten by the word, we are born again, and with born again comes eternal life. There is a complete opposite here. We let the word take hold to keep us, to encourage us, to protect us, to give us birth into the family of God. That is the fact that we're begotten by the word of truth. 
Then fourthly, I like this. He makes us the first fruits of his creatures, of his creation. Now when God created, and he did create, okay? You can say anything you want about evolution, but God created, okay? And when God created the heavens and the earth, and he began to create animals, he created all the animals, and he created them male and female, and he put them out there for man's pleasure. Then he created man. And he created a woman to be the helpmate of man. And when he created man, for some reason, he looked at man and he said, I create man in my own image. He said he created him both male and female into his image. What did he mean by that? We are the only creatures upon the face of the earth. Your dog don't have an opportunity to repent. He may come and lick your face off when he's sorry. But he is not really repenting to a God in heaven, okay? Your pet goat that you keep on your front porch, anybody got a pet goat? Your pet goat will not repent to God. But we as humans, we have an opportunity to have a relationship with God Almighty. And with that, we can repent of our sins and be born again by faith, through grace, by faith, okay? With that, we become part of the family of God. We are birthed into the family of God. We are the first fruits of the creation of God. Matter of fact, we are the only creatures upon the face of the earth that can have that relationship with God, that can be born again, that can be birthed in the family of God. So we are blessed in this fact here of everything he says here. Uh, we, we, we are even changed in the image of God when we're saved, which means we are to show forth Christ's likeness in our life. Okay. Now, a Sunday school teacher was trying to explain to her Sunday school class the two natures of man, being sin and being godliness. And he said, you know, we like to blame our sins on Adam, the first sinner. So she says, inside of each one of you, there is a old man Adam. But also inside of you, there is Jesus. And when temptation knocks at your door, don't send old Adam to answer it. Because if you send your old creature, your old nature to answer that door, you will be prey to sin. But if you send Jesus to the door, he conquers sin. So, you, you know, what we do is we don't dwell on the desire and the nature of sin. We let the nature of God take hold in our life to live out real faith in our life. Know the very nature of God. Know Him. Trust Him. Rely upon Him. Spend some time in the Word getting to know Him better. Spend time in communication with Him through prayer. Spend time in glorifying and praising God in worship. Spend time in, in uh, showing forth Christ in your service to others. And, and, and let Him take hold in your life more than the temptation to sin. Now, remember, I've looked at the nature of temptation alone. It's not bad, except it entices us to act upon it, okay? Then we look at the nature of sin, how that we look upon it, we act upon it, and we fall prey to it. And then we look at the nature of God, completely opposite from sin, and how that we have that nature of God available as children of God in our life. So when we look at that, I'm going to ask you a few questions here. Number one is this. Are you... Uh, battling, notice that word battling, 
are you battling the temptation to act upon things in your life that is contrary to God and God's Word? Are you battling that? Every one of us has got a battle. How heavy is that battle? Secondly, are you in the process of acting upon that temptation to sin? Uh, are you dwelling on it? Are you thinking about it? Are you kind of enticed by it? Uh, are you ready to act and to move upon that? Have you already gone down that process of sin? Have you been caught in sin and you just don't seem to be able to get out of it? You're in that process of death. And thirdly is this, take a look at the very nature of God, the God of goodness, the God who has all of your good in mind, and pray, Lord, I accepted you as the Lord and Savior of my life some time ago. And now, God, you know what I'm battling. And, God, what I'm battling is about to overtake me. God, I'm, I've about held out as long as I can hold out. God, I need you to take over because I know you're the God of good gifts. I know you're the God of perfect gift. I know you're the God that has no shadow of turning. Lord, I know that there is no change in what you say, that it's final. And, God, what I want you to do right now is help me Help me, God, to stop right where I am and go no further down the path that I'm about to go. You say, preacher, we're all Christians here today. Man, this is Sunday, and we're in the house of God. And you're talking about battling sin to the fact that we, want to, we need to stop right now and ask God to stop us from going down the path we're going. Amen. You know why? You are dwelling in the flesh. And as long as you are in this fleshly body, you are going to experience temptations. And when you experience temptations, you have got to learn how to overcome those temptations. Now, you can go to a counselor, a secular counselor, and he can tell you to have good thoughts and not think about the things that are evil in your life, the things that you're about to do. That's pretty good. But can I tell you, I want to take you a little bit further. Not only don't dwell on the things of the past and don't dwell on the evil, but dwell on Jesus. Because when your life falls apart, if it does, and I hope it doesn't, but when your life falls apart, the only one that can put it back together is Jesus. He's it. I mean, we can make a mess out of our life and... We can do a lot of things that we don't need to do. We can ruin our family, our marriage. We can tear up our jobs. We can tear up our lifestyle. Everything can go wrong, and it's all a matter of what we've done. And I'm praying that if you see yourself going in that way, stop and trust God right now and turn your life over to Him and let Him give you the strength to go through it. But if you've already failed, pray to it, and your life's already a mess. Please, please, come to God. And say, Jesus, you have saved me. God, if you can save me, you can put this mess back together. Let's stand and bow our heads as we get a song. God, you've saved us. And if we've made a mess, God, you can help us put it back together. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we come to you today asking, dear Lord, to all of us take a self-examination of our heart. And we think about the questions, Lord, are there, is there a temptation in front of us that we're battling? Number two, are we falling to that temptation? Are we involved in a sin? 
And number three, God, it, do we understand that you can help us out of the situation we're in? We turn it over to you, and we ask you to act today in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you need prayer,